Fathers, nice to see you today. Happy Father's Day to you. Oh, yeah. I called my older brother. He's the oldest living male in our family now. And I said, Happy Father's Day and Happy Grandfather's Day. We're both grandfathers. We talked a little bit about being fathers and how we enjoy it. It's great to uh, have children that love you. And I've got three, and I'm grateful for each one of them. So we hope you have a very special day, Dad. Uh, we wind up today the question why church by looking at Revelation chapter 5. I thought it was only appropriate that we visit the assembly in heaven, the great worship gathering in heaven to see what heaven looks like because we want the church on earth to look like the church in heaven. And it's a glorious scene that John the Revelator sees in chapters 4 and 5. They are a pair. They go together. In chapter 4, he talks about the Creator God who made everything, and the praise goes all to Him. He introduces the four living creatures and the 24 elders. And in chapter 5, he turns his attention to the Lamb and the Lion. And that's what we're going to read about today as we look at Revelation chapter 5, the future present. Verse 1, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp. And they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and glory and honor and praise. 
Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. A beautiful scene from heaven. John, the beloved, reporting to us what he sees in this great revelation. Now, John has been exiled to the Isle of Patmos, which is a rock in the Mediterranean Sea, for the testimony of Jesus that he was bearing in his world. Many people were being martyred at this time. We think it is the time of Domitian, the emperor, who is seeking to stamp out Christianity. And so when the church gathers, as we are doing today, they're talking about what's happened last week. Who's been killed? Who's lost their job? Whose house has been confiscated? Who's had to move? And all the terrors that come with an effort to expunge Christianity from the Roman Empire. It's a sad and terrible thing that happened then and a difficult day. And there are those who feel that the world is in itself very difficult and hard and maybe that pain is the ultimate reality in the world. There are many who feel that the future of the human race is bleak and when they talk about the future, they're discouraged about humans on the planet. In fact, you can see many apocalyptic movies in which humans are fighting things like zombies, which is awful, you know, and aliens that are going to try to eat you, and that's their view of the future. Some of them blame the Bible. They think the Bible has a bleak view of the future. But you know, when John is called up to heaven, the first two chapters are all about this wonderful worship experience. I don't think the Bible has a bleak view of the future. I think instead the Bible declares again and again that God is Alpha, the beginning, the origin of all things, and He is Omega, the end of all things. He is the one from whom this universe came, and He is the one to whom it is going. We are inexorably drawn toward the ending which is in God, and it's a glorious ending. And for the children of God who have trusted Jesus as Savior, it is a glorious ending. John, who wrote this passage, styled himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how he, he called himself in his, in his book, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I don't know how Peter felt about him, given that appellation to himself. Maybe the others were a little jealous, but that's how John thought about himself. And love was to him the center of all things. He heard Jesus talking about love. And when he wrote his, his uh, letter, he said, God is love twice. And love was the theme of his book. It was John who ran with Peter to the tomb after they heard the rumor that Jesus had risen from the dead. And John records that he looked in and believed. He believed. He believed this one who loved him. And loved all those around him who died upon a cross and was buried in that tomb. Had indeed risen from the dead. And Jesus for John became the center of the universe. And here on this Isle of Patmos, Jesus reveals himself to John the Beloved. 
And here in chapter 5, Jesus is the center. I know some things about the future. Not a lot of things, but I know some things about the future, all right? You will see the lion of the tribe of Judah one day in the future. John saw the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, the lion was a symbol of the tribe of Judah, and it is a fierce beast. I have been this far from a male lion, mature lion, when he roared, and he scared me to death. And he would scare you, too. They are a symbol of courage and power and strength. And when Judah, the tribe of Judah, found their position around the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle in the wilderness... On the east side of that tabernacle, they put up a banner with a lion on it, as I understand it, and the tribe of Judah rallied around that symbol, which was the lion. Jesus was not only the son of David, he was a descendant of Judah. And here he is, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is also called the root of David. The root is what provides life to the plant, is the life source for the plant. Isaiah in chapter 11 uses this terminology to describe the Messiah who will come in his glory, receiving the Gentiles into his presence. And Jesus is the root of David mentioned here, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. They looked all over heaven and earth for one who was worthy to open this scroll, which I think probably represented the destiny of our planet and all humans. And there was no one found worthy to open and John began to weep because it seemed like the secrets of the universe were sealed. And he would never know the truth about the deepest mysteries of life. And then comes the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He is worthy to open this scroll and break these seven seals. For he is triumphant. When you get to heaven one day as a child of God, you are going to see the lion of the tribe of Judah. That is in your future. And you enjoy the future in the present when you keep your eyes on Jesus. The book of Hebrews is also written to the persecuted church. And it was in the book of Hebrews where the author said, look unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He began your faith before the trial and trouble came, before the bereavement and loss came, before the illness came, before you got the diagnosis, before your family got into trouble and your marriage broke up, before all those things happened. He was the author of your faith. And if you'll let him be, he will be the perfecter and the finisher of your faith. And you will participate in the future in the reality that rules the universe, if you will keep your eyes on Jesus, who is the lion 
and the Lamb. Yes, you will not only see the Lion of the tribe of Judah, but one day you will know the center. You will know the real center, the true center, the middle of everything there is. Because John says, he looked and he saw the Lamb, looking as if he had been slain, standing on the center of the throne. Had a young man at Rivard Juvenile Detention Center asked me this week, he said, where's heaven? He was interested in heaven and hell. And he thought he was going to hell. He thought, actually, that all those boys were going to hell. He said, where's heaven? And I'd been meditating in this text, and I said, heaven is the center of the universe where God's throne is. It's where God rules this universe. What heaven is is a place where there is no sickness, sorrow, tears, or death. Where sin cannot enter. That's what heaven is. And heaven is the center of the universe. Here is the creator God who made everything sits upon his throne. And here he will judge the nations from that throne. That boy wanted to know what the center is. This is the center. This is where you center yourself. It's not so much you go, Hmm. Trying to get your center, little circles. I mean, all that's good. But the real center of the universe is Jesus himself. All things flow from him, and all things are going to him. He is the Redeemer, the Savior, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. He is the center. Now, here's the thing. You can participate in the future as you let Jesus be your center, all right? There's nothing that will stabilize your life so like making Jesus your center so that he is the middle, the core of who you are. He is Lord. He is the supreme one in you. And when you make Jesus your center, you are lining up with how the universe really is, how it exists. And you are participating in the future, right here in the present. The future reality in heaven, we want to let it be our reality right here on earth. We are the enclave of heaven in the middle of this earth with all its problems, trouble, and chaos. And we are to reveal to the world how it works, how it looks when Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, is the center of who you are, of yourself and your community. You will see the Lion. You will know the center one day. And you will hear a new song. You will hear a new song. They sang a new song. We've sung some songs this morning about Jesus and how with his blood he purchased 
persons for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. We've actually sung the words from Revelation 4 and 5 this morning. So there are some old songs that talk about how Jesus rescues us, but there's going to be a new song that will be sung in heaven, and it will be all about how the Lamb has purchased with His blood for God a people for Himself. When we talk about blood, we're talking about the ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice of all that you have and are. With His blood, He Purchase. When we talk about purchasing, we're talking about how Jesus paid the price for our rescue, that we had a sin debt that we could not pay, and Jesus died in our place for our sins. So the Apostle Paul says very plainly, you are bought with a price. So everybody in the room here has been bought with a price. That's part of the new song they sing. They sing about how God has purchased people from every nation, tribe, and tongue through the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. You know, this verse was used in the resolution this week when the Southern Baptist Convention condemned the idea of white supremacy and all forms of racism. And I applaud that resolution. I'm very glad that they passed it. Yes, indeed. Because it is purely ridiculous for us to think anything or any feature of humanity is supreme when we call Jesus Lord. Our greatest and highest affiliation the affiliation of our life that orients our thinking and our posture in the world is our connection to Jesus, not what color of skin we have or family we belong to or culture. Jesus said it so plainly. He said, it's not about that. You want to follow me? Then you got to hate your father, mother, sister, brother. And what he's saying is, this has got to be the defining relationship of your life and everything else is secondary. And Jesus purchased for himself people of every color, every nation, every culture, every tribe, every language. Jesus loves them all. He loves them passionately. He doesn't love us more than he loves those who are different than us. He loves us all with his inexplicable love. And therefore, we must hold to the full dignity and worth and supreme value of every single human being on this planet. That's why racism can't be in our hearts. We've got to get rid of it. We've got to throw it out. We, we have this tribalism by nature, but it's got to go. Because if we're going to look like heaven, in heaven one day, our brothers and sisters for eternity are going to be, think about it, from every tribe, language, people group, and nation. And we're going to be one family around the throne then. So we, we must work to exemplify this. Jesus as the center so that this enclave of heaven looks like what you see in the throne room here. They sang this new song. It was new to the world. 
John says, no matter what trouble you've been through, no matter what the Roman Caesar is doing, no matter what persecution or sorrow has come your way, the Lamb of God is in the center of the throne. And he is the lion with power. He's able to help in your time of need. And though you may despair about your own life and maybe even the world, he has the world in his hands and he has not lost control. He is going to bring human history and the history of this planet to its proper conclusion. He's going to shepherd it to the culmination that he has set. And he will also do that with your life if you will let him. He who began this good work in you will work on it, mature you, and complete it in the day of Jesus Christ. That's what he's up to in you. Do not despair in the process that God has set forward in you. It's a, it's a great thing God's doing in you. He is shaping you through the difficulties of your life, the troubles that have come your way, even the perplexities and confusion and doubt that come your way. And as you believe and trust in Him and know that He is a good God who loves you and that is sealed in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and there is no argument about it, there's no confusion about it. God loves you passionately. He demonstrated this and that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. So there's nothing that can shake your sense of God's goodness and his love for you because Christ died for you. He paid the price for your sin. And therefore, no matter what comes your way, you live in the goodness and love of God, trusting that he who began the good work in you is going to complete it. Do not despair. Do not be depressed about the situation and circumstances of your life. Know that God is at work even in the midst of the trouble you're in. This was John's message to the people of his day who were dying at the hand of the soldiers, crucified on crosses till all the trees were gone. I mean, the slaughter of Christians was unimaginable at the end of the first century. And John wrote this book and he says, the lamb is on the throne He's in the center of this universe, and he has not lost control. And one day you're going to hear a new song. And you're going to hear the voice of many angels. Thousands upon thousands. 10,000 times 10,000. I don't know. I cannot imagine what this kind of gathering might look like. A hundred million. That's 10,000 times 10,000, right? I did that calculation in my head. If I got a zero wrong, I'm 10 times off, okay? That's 100 million angels gathered around the throne. And then there's every living creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and all that is in them. And they're all speaking to this wonder of God's salvation through his son. You know, God's deployed the angels to help you. Dad, sometimes you think, I don't think I can do this i got to provide for my family. I have to be the rock when things are, in, are hard and difficult. I've got to stay stable. I have to be the person who, with, to whom they can come, and you feel all these demands on you, and sometimes they, they weight you down, and you think, I don't know if I can do this. God sends his strength, his mighty angels, to help his people in their time of need. Now, 
I believe that there are myriads and myriads of angels, and they are the messengers of God. And the scripture says they are deployed out into the earth on behalf of those who are God's people. And dad, there have been times when you were weighted down and you didn't know what to do. Maybe when you were in danger, you thought your life was at risk. And God sent the angels. And one day you're going to get to heaven and you're going to see this great crowd. And one of those angels is going to step out and he's going to say, hey, I know you. The Father sent me to take care of you. When you were in trouble, maybe you were in Iraq or Afghanistan. Maybe you were driving down the road and there was a terrible accident in front of you. Maybe you don't know what it was, but you survived because God took care of you in that moment. I believe that the angels have watched over us. Like Jesus said, they watch over the children, that they watch over us as well, and they are God's messengers for good on our behalf. And here in this scene before the throne, they lift their voice as one unto the lion and the lamb. That's got to be an amazing moment. To hear a hundred million voices joined with all the others saying one thing and giving praise to the Lamb who sits upon the throne. You will hear the voice of angels. One day, it's in your future. And when you remember that God is your very present help in time of trouble, when you remember that He never leaves you or forsakes you, the children studied about shepherds today in their Bible study, when you remember that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When you remember that, you are participating in a future reality that is the secure position of the people of God in the presence of the Lamb. And you will join a gathering one day. If you know Jesus as Savior, you're going to be part of a great gathering one day. It'll be a gathering around the throne of God. Those prayers you uttered and the tears you shed, God has saved them for that day. The elders have these golden bowls, and John says they are full of the prayers of God's people. Now you think about that. All those prayers you whispered unto God when you were in trouble and in need and God saved them up because they are precious to him and he never missed one whispered prayer, not from a child, not from a saint who's gotten old and sick. He knows every word we speak to him and they are there, all those prayers, in that great moment of worship before the throne. There you have them gathered, falling down before the Lord of glory. This is worship. Why do these elders fall down before the Lamb? It is a statement of, I am fully surrendered unto you. Everything I have is yours. I am fully vulnerable unto you and in your presence. And so I fall down before you. 
you have a moment of worship here and you are participating in the future as you come to worship the one who has rescued you, the lion and the lamb. You think, well, what is my duty? What am I supposed to do in this moment of worship? And the, the Bible says this, I beg you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. This is your spiritual service of worship. Just as these elders are falling down before the throne. So, Dad, you too. You follow the elder. Maybe you're the elder in your home. Maybe you're the patriarch of your family. The patriarch of our families should lead the way in falling down before the Lamb. Everything surrendered fully unto Him. This is what it means to make Jesus the center. This is what it means to keep Jesus as your focus, to see Him and maintain your your focus upon Him. It means to surrender all that you have unto Him. You would find great peace in such a surrender, knowing that He is the one who empowers you, who keeps you, who sustains you. He's going to keep His promise unto you. There's great joy in this as well, to be able to say, Lord, I'm yours, and I am secure in your arms. Just knowing that he is your father and that he has wrapped his arms around you and he does everything well. What a great place to be. All these troubles that perplex us, all the things that are a storm in our soul, they would be brought into their proper perspective if we saw the line of the tribe of Judah, if we remembered where the center is, if we kept this new song in our heart and heard the angels sing like they sang at Bethlehem the night Jesus was born and gathered for worship with a whole heart laid out before God. Bow with me, please. If you've never trusted Jesus as Savior, but you want to, would you just Pray to him, knowing that he hears your prayer, he knows your heart. Trusting that he died for you on the cross, that he rose again from the dead. Saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my sin. I open my life to you. I trust in you alone for my salvation. Would you make your prayer of surrender unto him, casting yourself before the one who laid down his life for you. Lord, I pray for those who have never confessed Jesus as Savior, that today they would truly worship by coming before the Lamb and surrendering all. I pray for men and women who have trusted you maybe a long time ago, but need today to remember where the center is, that, God, we would do so, that you would call us back to yourself from all the wanderings all the detours we pursue. God, help us to find in you our satisfaction and peace. Lord, may this moment be a moment of worship where we truly, sincerely, and with a whole heart fall before you in surrender and worship. Amen. <laughs>